Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Listen, we've all been there. You take your dog on an adventure and it is not carefree and fun like you hoped it would be. We love adventuring with our dogs, but we know there is so much more to it than going places and taking the good pictures. So if you have an adventure dog and you're struggling with some of their training, our comprehensive course content can give you all of the information you need to make huge strides in your adventure dog training. Whether your adventures include hiking, camping, stand-up paddleboarding, we have content just for you. In addition to our comprehensive course content, we host monthly group Q&As so that you can get answers to your training questions from experts like Steph and myself. So if you have an adventure dog and training has not been going like you hoped, check out Adventure Dog Academy that opens for enrollment on July 1st. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome to the podcast. It's so crazy that I've recorded over 200 episodes of this podcast. I really started this podcast with the intention of just trying to connect with all you amazing dog guardians and give you really practical, useful solutions to some of the challenges you were having with your dogs. And this podcast has just evolved into so much more. And I'm so grateful to have you here listening. So in today's episode, I want to talk about something that I'm going to call over management. And before I jump into that, um, I wanted just to remind you all that if you are listening right now and you have a dog and you are struggling with their behavior in some way, we have several ways that we can support you. One of those is following us over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. I post really helpful body language observations, training tips, inspiration. So that is another free resource um, for training guidance. We also have several ways to help with several behavior challenges. So we are obviously reactivity specialists. We have a free mini course for reactive dogs. We have a self-guided course and a group coaching program. So if your dog struggles with lunging, barking, um, overreacting at lots of things, that is our bread and butter. We love working with the reactive dog. So check out those options for support. If you are struggling with getting your dog to come when called, we also have a training course called Trustworthy Recalls. It is a 21-day training guide, and we give you step-by-step instructions how to train a trustworthy recall. If you love to adventure with your dog, you love to hike, you love to go camping, you love to go paddleboarding, and you're struggling with getting your dog to do what you want them to do, maybe you've been really frustrated, um, maybe you've been overwhelmed, maybe you actually just have been leaving them at home, check out Adventure Dog Academy. Um, that is our virtual training guide for adventure dogs and their humans, and um, Uh, Trustworthy Recalls is actually a bonus, an added bonus with Adventure Dog Academy. So those are the three main ways we can help you with your dogs. Um, Steph and I aren't currently taking any new one-on-one clients right now because we're both very busy, but I just wanted to let you all know that we have created several ways to support you. So um, just to recap, Instagram is another free resource. We have a free mini course for reactive dogs, and we also have a free adventure dog course. So even if you don't have... um, 
maybe the means to invest in training right now. We still have a lot of free ways that we can support you, um, and we would love to connect with you in those ways. Links to those are all included in the show notes. So let's talk about over management. So if you are a part of the Instagram training community, you have heard myself and my colleagues talk over and over again about the power and the use of management. So I want to define what I mean by management first. And then kind of help you understand what I mean by overmanagement. So my definition of management is basically rearranging the environment to change outcomes um, in my dog's behavior. So there's a lot of ways that can look. You can use leashes as management. You can use baby gates as management. You can use blinds as management. Um, there are a lot of options for using management. And the reason that myself and my colleagues talk about management all the time is because it can be a very effective um, little effort technique to get to outcomes, right? And management is something that always has to be a part of training, right? We we have to do that. We have to rearrange in environments because we can't possibly be training our dogs 24-7. But um, I start to see the problem when over-management is used and it actually creates long-term fallout. Okay? So again, I want to be clear that management is a very useful training technique. It's actually not really training. It's actually just management, right? It's actually just being really smart and thoughtful about the environment. But there are caveats to that. And I see management being overly used a lot and that can create a lot of long-term fallout. So my intention with this episode is helping you understand how you can use management effectively with your dog without over-management and creating long-term problems for you and your dog. So when we're looking at using management, there are a couple of things that like as a professional, when I get called in, I'm consulting with a client, there are a couple of things that I'm looking at. So one, I'm looking at the individual dog. Who is this dog, right? Who are they? What are they capable of? Um, what is their frustration, frustration tolerance? And what level of management can they actually handle? Okay, so I think that that is a really important part of this conversation. What level of management can this individual dog handle? Okay, because I think that it's really easy to create, you know, short little training videos that like, okay, your dog jumps on people as they come in the door, just put them behind a baby gate. And while on the outside that could be a good solution that is ignoring the fact of how can that dog actually handle and cope with being behind a baby gate. Okay, so there's a lot of things that I think are missed in the management conversation that I'm really hoping to address today. So I want to give you um, a couple of examples here. So like I was saying, when I'm consulting with a client, I am always looking at the least invasive solution that is going to cost the least amount of energy for the human and the dog. Okay, because my clients are not dog trainers. They're not interested in teaching behavior change. They are not interested in teaching a million things. They're usually interested in getting to the outcome of the reason that I have been called in. Okay, so I think that that is something that sets me and stuff apart a little bit in our industry is that we are obviously dog trainers and we love teaching our individual dogs a lot of things and we we love teaching them complex behaviors and that's amazing but the vast majority of our clients don't want that 
<laughs> they don't want to put in all this time and energy into teaching a million things. What they want to do is be able to get their dog to listen to them, meet their dog's needs and get their needs met too. So we're really always looking at that least invasive solution, not the least invasive just for the dog, but also the least invasive for the human end. Okay, so I think those of you who are listening who are dog professionals, I think that that's a really useful thing to remember is that like, yes, you have this beautiful skill and knowledge base, but is that really what your clients need? Right. So, um, okay. so a couple of when Waylon was a puppy and he came into our life, we had a male dog, Sonny, who could be aggressive with dogs. So we had to use a really high level of management, meaning that Waylon had to be in an X pen or Sonny had to be behind a baby gate. Um because they couldn't be loose together because Sunny was capable of acting aggressively. And obviously we we're trying to protect our puppy. Okay. And this is something that, um, I pulled off and we did it, but I wouldn't do it again because it was really, really exhausting to give you to back up just a little bit. I want to give you a little bit more frame of reference here. So before, um, Waylon came into our lives, we also fostered on several occasions, um, with multiple dogs who could also be dog aggressive. So my existence for a long time was managing, creating, rotating dogs in a household. Those of you who have listened to the podcast before have heard me talk about this and how exhausting it is and how I would not recommend it. That is an example of overmanagement. It had to happen <laughs> to keep everybody safe, but it was detrimental long-term. Okay. So let's go back to the Wayland example. So I had to use a lot of management to prevent Waylon from being physically injured by Sunny. Okay. And like I said, I wouldn't recommend it. We pulled it off. We did it. But because of that, because of the level of management we had to use, there was actually some unintended fallout. And that came in the way of Waylon's um, inability to keep his cool when people come over. So when Waylon was a puppy and we had guests over and we did socialization and we had parties, it was very often that Waylon was managed, meaning he was either um, behind a gate in an X-Pen or in a crate. And what that actually created was a high level of frustration and over arousal that when we removed the management made it very difficult for Waylon to cope and behave in the way that we wanted him to behave. And I'm not saying that I should have done anything differently. Okay, everyone. And I'm not trying to villainize management by any means, but I think we need to have a real conversation about some of the long-term consequences to our dogs and their behavior when we're overly using management. Okay. Okay, and obviously I had to use management. I had to protect Waylon from getting attacked by Sunny. I had to do that. Um, but I think that I thought that Waylon was a puppy and being managed was just his norm and it wasn't really that big of a deal and he would learn to deal with it. But that um, disregarded who Waylon was and his frustration tolerance. And this is something that thankfully these days, um, for those of you who don't know, Sunny left us almost five years ago. So Waylon, um, we haven't had to use that same level of management, but I will say that even after Sunny left us, I still was using Waylon behind a baby gate when people came over. And honestly, I think it it just made it worse. It really just made it worse because Waylon was so frustrated that he couldn't get to those people that it created this like horrible over arousal that I still am working through today, right? And we've come up with some really great solutions. Maybe I'll do an episode about that um, in the future and just kind of give you some more details of how we've gotten to where we are now, where he's not terrible when people come over. But I think that 
we almost created more attention and energy around people coming over that made it so that Waylon behaved in a really over-aroused way. And like, you know, as many of you heard in the last episode, we are bringing a puppy into our lives in October. And this is something that I think about a lot, right? Like, what are we going to do differently with this puppy to hopefully get a different result? And you know what we're going to do is we're not going to use any management when people come over. We're literally going to let the puppy just greet the humans. Hey, how are you? It's not a big deal. You're here and we're going to move on with our lives. And I think for um, us, that's going to create a really beautiful long-term result. So that's just one example, right, of where over-management actually, um, I guess we could say, shot me in the foot because it just made things worse long-term, okay? And, you know... When I say over aroused, Wayland just gets really, really excited and he will jump and launch himself at people's faces and he's not really causing anyone any harm. It's just a little overzealous, right? And I think that that's something we completely could have prevented if I would have used zero management in the beginning when he was a puppy when people came over. Okay, and like obviously this is acknowledging who Wayland is as an individual and who bully breeds are as individuals in a lot of ways. But I think it's really important for you all to be thinking about some of these examples, right? And who your dog is, what they're capable of, what their frustration tolerance is, the level of management that they can handle. Okay. So um, I want to give you another example of when I see over management causing long-term fallout um, in behavior. So Obviously, Steph and I spend a lot of our professional lives working with dogs who are reactive on leash, right? Lunging, barking, melting down, having a really hard time. So a level of overmanagement that I see a lot with leash reactive dogs, and I'm speaking specifically for leash reactive dogs who actually are really dog social and dog savvy and without a leash, for the most part, they get along really well with dogs. This is not dogs who have... Eh, actually, sometimes it is dogs who have been in fights before, I'll be honest. But this is really dogs who are not afraid of other dogs. They're really more just frustrated because there's a dog and they can't get there. A level of overmanagement that I see perpetuated a lot is avoiding dogs, right? Don't let your dog interact with other dogs on leash, avoid dogs, no on leash greetings, so on and so forth. And while sometimes that is good advice, I think that it, again, it it doesn't acknowledge the individual. And something that comes up a lot inside of reactive redefined is these dogs who are leash reactive, who actually really like dogs. They're not afraid at all. They're really dog savvy is that avoiding dogs and preventing their dogs from greeting other dogs is actually creating a higher, more intense level of reactivity. Okay. And I'm not saying that you can just let your lunging, barking dog just go and greet another dog. Okay. If you want to figure out how to do all of this, join us in Reactive Redefined and we will walk you through that. But I think that this is another example of using over management, using the leashes management, creating distance, avoiding dogs is actually making things worse. (laughs) right? It's making things more frustrating for the dog. It's making things more frustrating for the the guardian. And something that we've been able to do really effectively inside of Reactive Redefined is help our clients get step-by-step to a point where their dogs can greet dogs on leash. And it's really pretty amazing how when we get to the point where the dogs can just successfully greet dogs on leash, how the leash reactivity starts to sometimes slowly, a lot of times really quickly, just kind of diminish, 
Okay. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that if your dog is leash reactive and they love dogs, avoiding dogs and never letting them greet dogs on leash is actually probably going to make things worse for you. Can it be a short-term strategy until you get skills to get there? Oh, for sure. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to villainize management. I'm really just trying to help you all understand some of the subtle nuance of how management cannot always be the answer because one, it's not always sustainable. And two, if we're using management, is that actually just going to create more issues for us in the long term? Okay. So when we're talking about dogs who are capable of really intense, sustained behaviors, Okay, so dogs who can act aggressively under the right circumstances, dogs who have a really high level of prey drive and will probably kill an animal given the chance, we have to use management, right? Like, obviously, we have to do our best to keep our dogs safe, our community safe, um, the animals in our community safe. But I think when it comes to managing dogs who are capable of a high level of intensity and duration of behaviors, and this is something that covers a large spectrum of behaviors, but really it's kind of like the dogs who can spill over into like the aggression and dogs who have like really intense prey drive. Those are really the dogs that kind of come to my mind when I'm talking about this. Um, There still has to be a level of management. Using a leash can obviously be a level of management. But I think that there is an in-between that we can strike to prevent there from being this like long-term fallout and consequence. If we don't use management with these dogs, obviously we're going to have a a real huge issue on our hands because we're going to have dogs who are chasing animals for long durations of time. We're going to have animals who, dogs who are killing other animals. We're going to have dogs who are harming people or other animals, right? So obviously there is a level of management we have to use. I'm not saying we should forego management, but I think that we can be really creative about how we're using that management to make sure that we're not creating long-term fallout. So I want to give you an example. So many of you know that my mom and I hike all of the time (laughs) and she has a dog called Jasmine who we love and adore, but she is a very complicated creature. Something that we have experimented with in the past with her is letting her be off leash in the woods. So the problem here is that Jasmine has a very high level of prey drive and she has almost a non-existent recall. That is not for lack of my mom trying to train a recall. Jasmine is just a complicated creature and getting her to come when called is just not been a very easy, effective training strategy. Obviously letting her her off leash in the woods is not the safest option because she's going to go really far. She's going to stay committed to chasing animals. She's not going to come when she is called. So obviously we can't use no management, right? Because her being off leash is really dangerous for her and the animals and for lots of other reasons. But something that we use as management for her is a long leash, Okay, because then that way she can move freely. She is allowed to chase squirrels up trees. We let her engage in some of that prey behavior, but we're using the long leash as management. Something that could be over management that could have long-term consequences is Jasmine always being on a short leash. If she is always on a short leash, that actually creates a whole other host of issues because she's constantly frustrated. She's pulling. She can't get what she wants out of the situation. And then in turn, my mom is also frustrated because she is attached to Jasmine and she is constantly pulling. Another thing that we do for Jasmine is she has a backyard. She's allowed to be off leash there all of the time. She lives with another dog that she gets to play with. So we're fulfilling her needs 
needs to be off-leash and safer environment. That's a situation where obviously we can't forego management, but we're being really thoughtful about not using over-management by her always being on a short leash and we're using that long leash. Okay, so I hope you guys are with me. Sometimes when I record these podcast episodes, I'm like, Rachel, is anyone going to know what you're talking about? So if you listen to this episode and you feel me, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this and tag me over on the Instagram, especially if you're a dog professional and you like have been witnessing and (laughs) observing these things too. So I want to talk about one more example of where I feel like over management is causing a whole host of issues for dogs. Crates are a useful in a lot of ways, right? So teaching your dog to be comfortable in a crate, be comfortable being locked in the crate in your absence, that is a very useful strategy. But I think that crate training should be a means towards an end. Okay. So like, I will give you an example. So we have a puppy coming into our lives. Are we going to teach her to be comfortable in a crate? For sure. Are we going to overuse the crate? Definitely not. Okay. Because I think that when we overuse the crate, we rob our dogs of the ability to just exist and move freely, right? And like young dogs who are going to destroy shit and get themselves into potentially dangerous situations in your absence, for sure. Let's use the crate. Let's teach them to be comfortable in the crate. We're going to do that. But as your young dog starts to mature and they're capable of making more of the choices that you want them to, I don't want you to leave them crated, okay? And it's like, Obviously, crating can be a really useful solution for a lot of things. But from where I sit, in my humble opinion, I do not believe that dogs should be crated in your absence for multiple hours for the duration of their life with you. I really don't. I think that that creates a whole host of issues because if your dog is constantly crated, they're forced to be in this confined space. They're forced to sleep and relax. And then when you come home, your dog is full of themselves. Maybe you're exhausted from work. Maybe you don't have the bandwidth for them and they are just crazed. And that is not a sustainable thing. And that is definitely something that happened with Waylon in his adolescence is we kind of reached this point where we're like, we need to give Waylon more freedom. And that doesn't mean that there's not going to be like some consequences, right? Like even to this day, Waylon still like gets up on the table sometimes, but he never gets himself in like major trouble. And when I come home, Waylon isn't like full of himself because he's done nothing all day. He had more say over what he got to do that day. So I think that crates have a time and a place for sure. But I think that using, overusing crates as management is going to create a whole other host of issues that you probably don't want to deal with. And again, everyone, we have to understand the individual dog. Who are they? What are they capable of? What is their frustration tolerance? Can they handle management? Something that I coach a lot of my clients on is actually teaching dogs to handle management before we use the management. So I work with a lot of dogs who struggle with people coming into the home, dogs who will behave aggressively, dogs who will pursue, dogs who will bite. And something that we work on a lot is teaching those dogs to be comfortable behind a baby gate in a crate in an X-Pen before we bring the trigger over, okay? Management has a time and a place. It absolutely does. But I think a lot of times we just jump to using this management without considering how detrimental that can be for the dog. And in the guardians in the long term. Okay, so management is beautiful, but I think that there is too much emphasis on over management without acknowledging what the long term fallout of that over management is going to be. 
Obviously, I do not expect myself or my clients to be training 24-7, and we utilize management a lot. But utilizing management insists, I always insist, that the dog can handle that level of management, okay? We should not be putting our dogs in situations where they are frustrated, they are having meltdowns, on a daily basis because we're using management that is actually going to shoot us in the foot in the long term. Okay. So I think that this is just really good frame of reference for you and your individual dog about like, are there some elements of your life where you are overly using management and it is not serving you and it is not serving your dog? I'm sure you can probably also think of some examples of where you're using management, where it's kicking ass. The dog is tolerating using management. We're preventing the undesirable behavior from happening. And that's beautiful. Keep doing that management. But I really want to encourage you to look a little bit deeper of some of the aspects of management that you're using in your dog's lives, right? And obviously you all, I can speak really broadly about this stuff, but I want to encourage you if you are struggling with something with your dog and you think maybe over management is actually going to create long-term fallout, please consult a professional. Okay. (laughs) Because, um, Like I said, when I'm consulting with a client, I am looking at what is the least invasive solution for everyone. And when I can use management, I wholeheartedly do. I use management a lot. But I think that there's also this element of using over management that's actually just making things worse for everyone involved. So everyone, I hope that this episode was helpful. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, do me a favor, send me a DM over on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. I've got some really awesome episodes coming at you in the future. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you have not left a review, I would be honored. Let the world know what you think of this podcast so that we can connect with other dog guardians who could use our support. Everyone, have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.